the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark. Well, welcome back, everybody. Mark and Alan Salem here at your service. You're more than welcome to join us if you'd like. 602-508-0960. We have five lines, and they're wide open. And just like we promised, Steve, we're coming back. Steve, so tell us what color smoke you think it is, and then answer that second question is, is after you shut it off hot and you come back three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, ten minutes later, does it idle smoothly right then and right there? I would say it idles normal. I've got a pretty high lift cam in it, um, so the idle has never been terrific. Okay. Uh, and the smoke, uh, I believe, is white, and I... The few times I smelled it, like I say, once, twice in one year, uh, reminded me more of uh, oil, but it could have been coolant. I, I wouldn't okay. that one way or the other. Well, oil's I do blue. Seem to, okay. I do seem to be uh, uh, using a bit of coolant. Okay. All right. Well, if it's got a big cam, it's going to cover up the rough running. But if you right. bring bring up the idle... A little bit and get it to where it runs smooth. What I'm looking for is da 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 da. That's what I'm looking for. It's 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 pretty smooth. Okay. I I have raised the idle above uh, factory spec and uh, it's reasonably smooth at that point. Okay. The 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 real process is this. We're going to pressure test the cooling system. So you're going to take it to a shop. The shop's going to let it cool down. They're going to squeeze the upper hose until it's no longer rock hard. They're going to take the cap off of it, put an air pump on it. They're going to look at the cap. It's a 16-pound cap. They're going to put 17 pounds of pressure in it, and they're going to walk away. And then they'll come back an hour later. And if it's lost coolant, then the question is, is where? If it hasn't lost coolant, then it's not going to be a coolant leak. So okay. it's, it's it's that simple. I'm not real worried about it overheating because if you did overheat it and if you did do damage, I've already co- covered all the symptoms. So you're going to have water out of the tailpipe, but most of the time you don't see that because the water's going to turn to steam somewhere in the exhaust, but the right. end result is still the white smoke. So white smoke can also be transmission fluid, but uh, blue, black, and gray and white are the, the different colors. But I probably just... Pay somebody to run a pressure test on it and say to them, you know, and and here's the best part. If you do a pressure test on it and it's got an external leak, there'll be coolant on the ground directly below where the coolant leak is. Right. I have not seen that. Uh, Okay. At least uh, when I come back in uh, and park it, I'm not seeing evidence of coolant leak. Okay. Is there, does the oil look normal or is there a, a foam to it or anything like that? No, yeah, the oil looks great. Okay. Staying well, nice and clean after quite a bit. Yeah, um, you don't have any uh, signs of it. Correct. 
So, you know, I keep an eye on the coolant. But how hot did it get? Do you have a gauge with numbers, or do you have a digital gauge, or what? I've got, uh, excuse me, I've got an uh, analog gauge, and the uh, but I use a uh, infrared thermometer uh, when I suspect it's hot, and it never seems to be very hot. Okay. What is the upper, where are you gunning? Where, where are you using your infrared oh, uh, gun? Well, I'll nail the upper and the lower uh, hoses. Okay. There should be 10 to 20 degrees difference between those yeah. two hoses, but the upper hose really represents what, what the motor's running, and, and your motor should definitely run 220, 230. It'll love you if you can make it run 220 or 230. Yeah, but with a stock radiator, or relatively stock radiator, can't handle those kind of pressures. I don't believe. There's no difference so I, in pressure. If you got a 17-pound cap, it's no matter what radiator you got in it, no matter what heater core you got in it, no matter what hoses you got in. It. Here's the problem: How often do you drive it, and how far do you drive it? Oh, I don't drive it uh, this time of the year. A couple times a week, and uh, generally not more than 20 miles at a Run. Okay, is it a freeway speed kind of thing, or is it through the town you're going to your daughter's house or your girlfriend's house or something no, like that? Yeah, where we live, it would always be a combination, some freeway, and it seems to want to run hotter on the freeway for whatever reason. Okay, if it wants to run hotter on the freeway, get your gun and start gunning the four corners of the radiator because there's a good chance that the radiator is somewhat plugged up. Because what will happen is, is if you run water through a fire hose, it's not going to come out with any pressure. Let's pretend you're putting a lot of water to this fire hose. It's a one-and-a-half-inch fire hose, so we're going to send a lot of water through this fire hose. Well, if you squeeze the fire hose, then all of a sudden you're going to speed the water up because there's going to be pressure behind it, and there's going to be a whole bunch of fast-moving water, so it's not going to be in the radiator very long time. So when you have a you have a plugged radiator, the symptoms you just gave me are classic symptoms. It runs hotter when I'm on the freeway than it does around town. So, and we want it to run over 220 because every time you park it, it's going to create one, two, or three tablespoons of water as we condense the moisture that's in the engine. Well, water boils at 212, and we got to get that motor up over 212 in order to boil the water away. So if you don't boil the water, Ray, then the water and the oil turns to mush, and pretty soon it's not oil anymore. Pretty soon it doesn't have the properties of oil anymore. So you've okay. got a newer model motor that wants to run at 220. The other, the other tool that we're using now is the thermal imagers on those radiators. Get it nice and hot, and then if you have access to a thermal imager, that will show you the dead spots in the radiator if there is any. Um, and that that's a really cool picture when you when you see a good radiator that looks like that. Yeah. Now it's a gun with a TV screen on it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But and so what you're doing thermal. is okay. I understand. Yeah. You're looking for hot spots. Yes. And so you're going to wave it. You're going to start up in the upper left hand no, corner. No, we, we usually shoot the whole thing at once. At once. Okay. It's wide enough to where we can shoot it from three feet and get the whole thing. Okay. And then there we can see exactly what it's coming in at to the degree what it's going out at and then you know i have pictures on my phone where the, the center is purple you know the entire center and then all the way around it is red so it's 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 that okay. purple is indicating a cool spot and when i say cool it's 60 degrees less all right how do you do it if you got an air conditioning condenser in front of the radiator shoot it from the other side okay okay so that's possible yeah or the other thing we'll do is it works pretty good. Uh, if sometimes if we can separate them and shoot downwards, uh -huh. I can see it that way too. Okay. Huh. 
So that's it, it, it's the symptoms you have would suggest that there's some. Um, I mean, the water goes through an open radiator real lazy. But when you squish the radiator down and you take a third away from the cross flow, then the water's going to go through faster, which means it has less time to drop its heat off. Because it's like a train station. The water comes in hot, drops the heat off, and continues back to the motor. So that's what I would do if I were you. All righty? Okay. Um, right. One other uh, follow-up is, well, not a follow-up, but would a uh, internal uh, coolant leak explain the irregularity of observing this malfunction? No, yeah, I mean, I, like I say, it's been, uh, it's been a year since I saw it, and I saw it last Saturday. Okay. That's a great question, but nobody's going to be able to answer that till you find out what the problem is, if there's a problem. Yeah. So we can, I mean, the answer to the question can be yes or no, yeah. and that's not going to do you any good. So it's, okay. and, and you don't feel bad because you're not the only one that does that. For me, on the radio and in emails and stuff like that, because I get a lot of emails, uh, they ask questions like that, and I say, with due respect, we'll answer that after we find it. That's not important for us to track it down. We'll just look at it, and if we say, we've had your car on pressure for two days, and it hasn't lost anything. And then we started it up, and we got it up to operating temperature, and then we shut it back off, and we let it sit for another six, seven, eight hours, and there's nothing on the ground, and we haven't lost any pressure. Well, we're done. We're just done. The other thing, too, is, is you, you know, you ask that question, well, every between those, I mean, if you're doing 15-mile trips, and all of a sudden it's happening on 20-mile trips, I mean, it could be as something as simple as one mile causing, you know, the heat to, to, to get up to a certain point and cause that internal leak. Um, so it just there's that's a that, there's a lot of variables on that and 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 he's right because your cap let's pretend your cap is a 15 pound cap well the cap's going to give way anything above 15 and it's going to shove the water back into the overflow so when we go in we're going to kind of roll the dice and if it's a 15 pound cap we may do it to 16 or 17 pounds and then we need okay. to test it cold as well as hot. So that's why you sit overnight when it's cold, and then the next day you put one of your young kids that likes to hot rod your truck, and he goes out and goes down the freeway five, ten miles, turns around and comes back. And then that way we yeah. get to see it hot. So okay. what part of town do you live in? Way up northeast, east of uh, Pinnacle Peak. Okay. Well, Blackwell would be the guy that uh, you talk to, and he's a hot rod guy, and he does okay. what you did on that truck. And so he, he's really good at what he does. Um, and, and the best part about Tom is if he needs a bracket, um, he doesn't spend days trying to find a bracket. He just builds a bracket. <laughs> and, okay. and, and, and so he's, he's pretty good with that kind of stuff. But if you're going to have somebody do the cooling system, don't tell him what to do. Just tell him what you got, and then he'll okay. know what to do. Okay? Sure, sure. We have time for another follow-up question. Not follow-up, okay. but another question. Uh, the 10SI alternator, which was standard in the 80s uh, GM cars, um, is what I have. And I've had recurring failure of the voltage regulator, which is an internal regulator. And from what I understand, most all of the internal regulators fail on that car if you don't have enough load on them. And this car has no load when I'm driving it, unless I turn the headlights on. That's not true. Uh, That's not true. Well, the HEI is about it. Okay. Would that make uh, any difference? It's not true about your 7127 alternator and the internal internal regulator. It's not true. I'll bet you $10, though, it's wired wrong. 
So that big lead that comes off there has to go through yep. a certain circuit. What do you do with the small lead? Most guys will just loop it around to the other side. But the small lead has to go to the light. <laughs> so yep. it either goes to the light or the amp gauge. That's where it has to go. Well, I have that wired properly. Okay. I'm running to a light, to an indicator light. And when you turn the key on, it goes on, and then it's when you start it up, it goes off. Correct. Okay, well, get your voltmeter out, and the battery, first thing in the morning, should be somewhere around 12 to 13 volts. If it's 1210, it's about 10% charged, so we want to see it close to 13. Now, when you start it up, it should run somewhere north of 13, even 13 and a half. If it's going 14 or 15, yeah, you have a regulator that's out of it. Now, the regulator will go bad when it tries to charge the battery and it doesn't see an increase in voltage. So if you have bad battery cables or you're not wired right, then otherwise we're just pouring all the water on the on the house that's burning. And it's just going to keep doing that because it doesn't see the voltage of the battery that it wants to see. So like I said before, you got to have a negative cable and it's got to go to the frame, it's got to go to the engine, it's got to go to the firewall. So it has to go, and the front core support. So from the fenders left and right, and the core support where the radiator is, you've got to have grounds in all of those. So we usually run the negative cable to the motor, then from, from the battery we run to the frame, and from the motor we run to the firewall, and from the motor we run to the core support. So you've got to have all those grounds, otherwise you've got a motor that's grounded and sitting in three rubber donuts. And that would that'd be something that Blackwell could up with too, right? Oh yeah, that's a volt drop test. Yeah, yeah. You're talking yeah. about 30 bucks on a volt drop test. So anyway, Steve, good luck to you. Thank you very much. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. The uh, lines are wide open in here. Welcome to join us. Hello, I'm Greg May, owner of Phoenix Body Works. For 35 years, we've been demonstrating our workmanship, our honesty, our integrity, and our exceptional customer service. We are blessed to have so many repeat customers who refer their friends and family. We have ethical, loyal technicians who have been with us for years. They are ICAR certified, which means they are up to date on the latest technology and techniques. So your repairs meet or exceed industry standards. Our technicians are truly part of our family. We are very capable of fixing your car. We pull off damaged parts. We pull your frame and body mounts back to where they should be. Then we install the new parts. We align both the front and rear end. Then your car is back to the way it was when new. Our customers come from all over the valley. I'm Greg May. Remember, it's your vehicle. You pick the shop, not the insurance company. Phoenix Body Works. We want to be your collision repair specialist. Call us, 623-582-1434. Monday through Friday, 9 to noon on Saturday. Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7. This is attorney William J. Wolf, host of Middle East Radio Forum, heard every Sunday at noon here on 960 The Patriot. This week on Middle East Radio Forum, host Meyer Jolovitz will address the subject, America and Israel, why the Western world always gets it wrong. That's Middle East Radio Forum, Sunday at noon on 960 The Patriot. Nineteen minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock, Mark Salem and Alan Salem um, are here. (laughs) 
uh, I've been in business in the car repair business since '79. So has Alan, <laughs> but he started picking up cigarette butts in the parking lot, and now he runs half of our business, which is the performance side, tires and wheels, exhaust, fancy lights, and all that other kind of stuff. So he he's the one that gets to spend the happy money because mm-hmm. when you come in you tell him what you want and then your money is spent happy on the mechanical side we're telling you that you got a big problem <laughs> yeah. and we're telling i'll turn off my speakers for you uh, the, Gil, the, I'm the sorry. guys up front wish they could deal with my customers yeah yeah your, mean, your customers they're happy and <laughs> they drop you know 10 grand and they're just just skipping out the front door <laughs> I I tell people that they come in and grab your menu I'm and they you. just do it's got 20 check marks and they'll do 7 8 10 12 and sometimes a whole bunch more than that. Yeah. yeah. It's just happy money. Yep. And, sure is. And it's it's guys that aren't going to want their wife to pick it up and pay the bill because <laughs> yeah, no. The bill might be kind of big. But it's just happy money versus sad money. Sure. That's Absolutely. the difference yep. between your businesses are. Jank W, what can we do? Hey, I was thinking about uh, your conversation with Steve there about the uh, smoke, the white smoke coming off the the Corvette there. Yeah. I got a little confused as I was coming down the road thinking, you know, at first that it was coming out his exhaust pipe. And then I got to think he said, you know, off the left bank. I'm wondering if he was talking about coming out from under the hood from the top of the engine. You you could very well be right. Yeah, I didn't pick that up. I didn't either. But let's talk about that as being a possibility. What color, if his valve cover was leaking and he had smoke off of one side or the other, what would it leak wouldn't, other than oil? No, it wouldn't be white. Yeah. And and it would also smell like oil because you're too close to that to be happening. So, yeah. no, you bring up a, a good point. Is this something you've experienced, J.W.? <laughs> well, uh, you know, from our previous conversations, you probably got an idea that I have a lot of experience. Okay. Um, remember the guy had the vibrating 454? Okay, I, I, you know, right now I, I'm sitting okay. here looking at a clock, and Alan's picking his nose, so I, I don't remember. But tell me about sorry, your 454. There was no, there was a guy who had a 454 swap into a Corvette that used to be a 396, and he had a, a vibration that was like increasing as he revved the engine, and didn't matter if it was in park or if he's driving, and and uh, I mentioned the 454 is externally balanced, and and uh, that kind of lit up the the whole idea that maybe he had uh, used his internal balance flywheel and balancer on his 454 motor and, but, and yeah either end of the tra- either end of the crankshaft could be the problem on that but anyway it's you're you're right it could be some leak on the on one side or the other which whichever one he had and i didn't pick that up yeah so if he he was talking about the motor then we missed it but the the colors are still the same yeah it's not going to be a whole lot of difference but anyway thank you jw thank you very much for that and he picked up something that we didn't so yeah. it is what it is. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. The only transmission shop I can recommend in Phoenix is Automatic Transmission Exchange. We call it ATE, Automatic Transmission Exchange. Been around since 1968. Phil's been there since 1968. And they do transmission repairs, transmission service, and transmission overhauls. And Phil says that we do a lot more of the two other ones than we do the rebuild. And with some of the newer model cars, you have to have proprietary equipment, scanners and stuff, to watch the tra- watch watch the ins- watch the input to the transmission, and then watch the output that the transmission deciphers the input and makes things happen on the output. So while we used to shift transmissions with foot pressure 
and speed and RPM. Today, we have a computer that switches you from first to second gear, and it looks at three or four or five different things, the temperature of the engine, where your foot's at, how fast you're going, and what your RPM is. So it's a little different today, but the diagnostics make it a little easier today. So Automatic Transmission Exchange, 40th Street in Washington. If you have a problem, may I suggest you stop by there? And it's a bad idea to stop by Monday mornings or Friday afternoons because those are busy times and you might have to wait. So Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays is a lot better time to stop by most any repair shop. Okay, have we got anybody else, Gil? Okay, lines are wide open, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. I'll tell you one thing that I heard this week that really chaps my rear end is uh, customers saying that a training shop told them they won't know what is wrong, how much it's going to be until the transmission is on the ground and apart. That 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 is bothersome. That is bad, bad, yeah. bad. Because uh, for those people who who have nefarious uh, <laughs> uh, reasons for doing that kind of stuff, once that transmission on the ground and, and, and is apart, you are at their mercy. Um, any any transmission shop, any good transmission shop that knows what they're doing, should be able to give you a, 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 a at least at least a worst case scenario estimate prior to even pulling that thing out. And we know that because we have a transmission guy that we work yes. with. Yes, and he doesn't do that. Now, I thought you were going to say pull the pan, and yes, we pull the pan. We want to see how much metal there is, how much clutch material. Oh yeah, no, in there. no, no, no. But you said pull the transmission. Pull the transmission completely out. Right. Yeah, right. no. Don't get in don't get involved in that. Well, I you know, those kinds of stories um in my world are pretty easy. So a little old lady who has five hundred acres of uh a ranch up in northern Arizona, her husband just passed away and she's certainly in her tall seventies and early eighties. She uh takes her truck into a repair shop and it's not running very well. And the repair shop um, tells her that the entire fuel system has to be replaced. She reports it to her insurance company because insurance companies, if you pardon the expression, they insure stupid. So when you have a wreck, you're stupid, and when you, you know, contaminate your fuel system. So the, the repair shop says that the, the fuel tank is full of dirt, full of dirt. Mm. And, and the repair bill on this thing is $18,000. That's where it started. So then I send an investigator up there to pull a fuel sample, and the lab says, there's no dirt in this fuel. (laughs) And the inspector said, I could see the bottom of the tank. So there's no dirt in it. So then the next thing they say is is that it's full of gasoline. So then I send the inspector back, and he pulls a sample, and the lab says, it is. It's not full. It's one-third gasoline. And you and I both know they'll still run, not well. Yeah. Okay, so clearly she put gasoline in it. Okay. And she grabbed the wrong, wrong nozzle. Yep. Then the Never shop says that. she has a tank in the back of her truck, and you know, and I know. Yeah, I know you've done it. How many times <laughs> have you done that? <laughs> uh, I think two. Yeah, I know two. Of I think two. Yeah. Where you put yell gas. At my wife. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I always yell at my wife. It's the green handle. It's the green handle. And I'm the only one who's ever done it. She's never done it. Okay. Anyway, so, go ahead. Sorry. So, so, so then the shop comes back. After they say that it's dirt, and we say BS, and then they say it's gas, and we agree. Then they say it's DEF. She's contaminated the fuel system with DEF, and folks, DEF is very caustic, and it ruins everything from the fuel pump in the tank all the way to the injectors. Everything it comes in contact with. Everything diesel fuel comes in contact has to be replaced. 
the estimate's still eighteen thousand uh-huh. dollars. Now it was eighteen thousand dollars for dirt, and really and truly, give me off the cuff dirt contamination. What's it cost? Not nearly that much. I okay, mean, worst case scenario. A couple filters drain drain the tank. Uh, I would say worst case scenario, no damage, a thousand bucks. And I would agree with you. Yeah, I, that was a number in my head. All right, give me a gasoline contamination. Oh, that's I would say max. It's, it's the same fix, actually. Exactly. Drain, drain the tank, <laughs> fill it up with fill it up with fuel, hit the uh, hit the two uh, filters, and be done. Okay, but a DEF, what's that? Oh, that's that could be eighteen thousand. Yeah, and it is on the Fords. It's actually a little bit more. And Duramax and the Dodges—they're all—they're all north of eighteen, between eighteen and twenty-four, twenty-five. So we decide to pull it out of there, and they charge us eighteen thousand. And I awesome. said, "Why are we charging you?" He says, "Well, we had to order all the parts. You have to buy the parts because we don't have any use for them." This is a true story. I know it is. I know. <laughs> I'm just shaking my head because of how ridiculous it is. We took it to a, 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 I'll tell you right now, we took it to Chapman and Payson because it was up from up north. And I think they fixed, fixed it for like 1800 bucks. They pulled the tank, cleaned it up. It had gas, put some filters in it, moved forward. But here's the real, it would have been cheaper, but they had to go in and put the engine back together right. because we got it from them. Right. So it, it was just a, it was a, uh, it was a rape of, of, Unproportional size. If you mistakenly put DEF in your truck. In the fuel tank. In the fuel tanks, yes, excuse me. If you inadvertently put it in the fuel tank, absolutely under no circumstances, if you can help it, do not start that vehicle. Because it'll be a lot cheaper yes. to do the work because yes. it's it's in the fuel tank only. I had a, I had a customer. I know we're up against the break, but I had a customer called me. I just filled it up. I said, "Do not start it. Uh, have it towed immediately. Have it towed over here. This and that and the other thing." As soon as the uh, tow truck driver got there, he started and drove it up on the uh, on the truck. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he caused that customer some big time change. Oh, unbelievable. Ching ching. All righty, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. And one more time, 602-508-0960. The lines are wide open, and you're welcome to call, comment, or give us your problem. We're happy to help you, 602-508-0960. Did you know Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United yeah, States by Mercedes-Benz for their exactly. repairs? Andy Val, the dad, and his sons, Tom and Paul, Operate Rain Tree Auto Body in North Scottsdale. They've been around since 1972. Sure, they fix Kias and Hondas and Chevys and Fords, but they are rated the best for their ability to correctly repair the Mercedes Benz. Remember, Rain Tree Auto Repair is ranked number one in the entire United States by Mercedes Benz for their repairs. They have a machine called the Select Bench. It's the same jig they assemble your car on. Rain Tree can put your car back to its pre loss condition with 100% accuracy. Rain Tree Auto Repair is a BBB member with a plus rating. Rain Tree Auto Repair provides free estimates and they'll give you a lifetime warranty on all paint and bodywork. They use the best glasserate paint and it's waterborne paint so it has no environmental effect. For more information, stop by RaintreeAutoBodyInc.com. Hey, Seth Leibson here. I wanted to let you know about a show that airs every Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on The Patriot, 960 a.m. It's the Ask Solar Sandy Show. 
Solar Sandy is a whistleblower who exposes the lies and corruption of the big power companies. She's a retired nurse and grandmother who, for the last four years, has been teaching her audience how to cut their power costs and put more money in their pocket. Rate increases are coming to Arizona. You really need to check this show out. The Ask Solar Sandy Show, Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 10 a.m. And make sure to visit AskSolarSandy.com. It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. The difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is calling for one million volunteers over the next three years. We're asking you to step up, make a pledge, tutor a child who needs help, mentor a kid who needs someone on their side, volunteer to read to children, make a difference. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Entire communities improve. The path to success or failure starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give, advocate, volunteer. Live United. Take the pledge. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. All about that demon, all the more. 32 minutes after the hour. My name is Mark Salem. Sitting next to me is Alan Salem, and uh, we've been in the car business for a long time. I've been in the car business for 40 years. He started 40 years ago. <laughs> I don't know, what were you, 10 or something like that, or less? Anyway, 79, or were you I even was, born? I was born in 79. Okay, well, then you were... Yeah, okay, whatever. Nevertheless, let me touch base real quick. 602-508-0960. And I want to talk about Kurtz. Kurtz is at I-17 in Bell. He has three technicians or three people that are masters. There's Jeff, there's Eric, and Kurt. Kurt is a great guy, and he's bailed me out of a couple of problems where we had problems in his geographical area, and then he took the car. And he fixed the car. Now, one time for us, but other times for customers that were in his geographical area. So I-17 and Bell, I-17, yeah, I-17 and Bell, Kurtz Automotive. Let's go to the phones. we got callers. And, Lauren, you're first. There. Good morning. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you. I have a new 2019 Edge ST. Love the car. The only thing I really dislike about it is this auto stop when you come up to an intersection. Yep. I've been reading some articles, and I'm wondering if you have any experience with what they call a module auto stop eliminator. Plugged I in can, behind the switch. I did two of them yesterday. It's sixty bucks. <laughs> okay, and they work. They're they're reliable. I don't I don't use the modules. I go in there, and I actually I can I just go in and I turn that off in the hex the hex file in the uh, in the computer in the computer. Yep, I I just oh, go okay, in and cool. shut it off, and you'll never have an issue. The switch won't work. Um, you won't gauge won't come up. Okay, easy. The, let's explain auto stop. Auto stop is is when you come up to a stop, it, the motor dies. Yeah, and then as soon as you take your foot off the brake and hit the gas, it starts the motor up, and you drive away. It's yeah. a fuel economy thing. Yeah. Here's what the situation is: people are afraid of the starter. The starter on a one to ten on that is a twenty with respect to durability and strength. And the regular edge starter might be an 8. So there is a big difference between the starter, they've built the starter, to kind of match instead of starting at once, 
and you go to work and shut it off, and then you start it again. This is stopped at every traffic light. Right. So if you want to do that, you can do that. There's a lot of other things, too, that I can go in and like this one yesterday. You know how when you, uh, if you leave it running, you go to a convenience store, and you just take your, your key fob in and the horn honks twice as you're walking away? I can shut that off. And, you know, there's all kinds of different stuff that we can do. Lighting, I can turn off the DRL, turn on the DRLs. We can, you know, there's a lot of different stuff. And it's it's one charge at 60 bucks, and I can go in there and change whatever you want. But, but we're not going to do any safety affect- stuff. Yeah, no. no. I'm sorry. But that's not that wouldn't affect my warranty. Anymore, no, right? no, absolutely not. That module probably would, but if they found it, but they won't. They can't see what I. As a matter of fact, the two that I did yesterday were for the dealer. <laughs> oh, okay, so where 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 are you at? I'm going to come and see you this week. I'm going to come down to find. Okay, Just shoot me shoot me an email. Um, which my name is Alan A L A N Salem. Uh, S-A-L-E-M, just Salem at AOL.com, and uh, I can, yeah, it's easy, and you can wait on okay. it. And, and that's what we got to do is, is um, his sister runs that part of the business, so um, obviously if somebody's going to wait for it, we just need to schedule to, to accommodate that. And so obviously you're not going to get a Monday morning or a Friday afternoon time frame, but that's okay, we can handle that. So Alan would be your contact, and if you have a pencil handy, 480598 this is easy. One two three four, four eight zero five nine eight one two three four, and you can call before you come. All righty. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lauren. Okay, let's go to Gary. Gary, how can we help you? Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, got a question. I've got a 2017 GMC Canyon with the uh, 2.8 Duramax four cylinders. Uh, a year and a half ago, my wife and I. Uh, hauled a uh, travel trailer, 5,000-pound travel trailer, to Alaska and back, 11,000 miles. We had a great time, and we're planning on doing it again this summer. I've got about 51,000 miles on the truck now, and I'm wondering if I should have uh, or what you'd recommend being done before uh, our trip this summer, for instance, replacing the uh, uh, transmission fluid, anything like that. Oh, I'm on the... I'm on the on the middle of the razor blade about the transmission fluid, I would like you to just pull the stick and smell it. And if it was burned, now let me ask you, when you're pulling your trailer, is there ever time you pull it out of overdrive and kind of manually take over the shifting? Yeah. Okay, okay, that's good. That's good. You're finding an RPM range where you have power, the motor's up a little bit in in, in RPMs, but you're not in overdrive, because overdrive isn't the one that's going to, eh, you know you're going to have the problem but i don't see any other thing i'm assuming you're up on your oil changes and your tire rotations i'm assuming the spare Belts, tires hoses tires but at 50,000 miles and it's only a two and it's a, a 17 i well, i understand yeah, i'm just saying i mean we see we've seen stranger things as far as uh uh you know leaking around the uh, hoses or or leaking out the end of the hoses um i mean just cool pr- leaks belts um tires 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 that's yeah, and so you, important. You run those at maximum inflation written on the side of the tire, cold. Maximum inflation on the side of the tire. Forget the door sticker. Maximum inflation okay. on the side of the tire. Okay. okay. You know, it's not a bad idea to carry an upper and lower radiator hose. It's not a bad idea to carry some heater hose. It's not a bad idea okay. to carry oil and coolant. But at 50,000 miles, I'm still saying... Um, you've been around the world twice, but we're going to expect that that small diesel is going to be the 150, 200 well, mark. Well, we don't know. It's brand new. I know, but historically speaking, the the diesels go, I mean, we've got diesels that are in the two and 300,000 mile. 
Yeah, sure. but we also have the six O diesels that go twenty thousand and can't and can't stay on the road. I know, but that's that's different. I was avoiding that conversation. But I know, but, but I'm saying we don't know much about the. I don't know much about the uh, those diesels, so I don't know if there's something. I say, hey, put put one of these in the glove box because you'll need it at some point. So I don't know. You know something else too, and 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 Gary, this is I'm going to do away from. I'm going to deviate from my hate of the internet. Get on the internet mm-hmm. and start looking at this truck. If you don't see anybody that's got any kind of EGR problems, any kind of oil consumption problems, any kind of coolant leak problems, and and there's one guy out there that's pissed off because the windshield wiper motor broke, forget that. (laughs) You're just looking at, does everybody love these trucks? Because I promise you, if you query a a vehicle on the internet and you go through the reviews and stuff, you'll find something that's a big old POS. Yeah, or, or, or just 2017 Canyon diesel problems. You know, and if everyone at fifty thousand miles is, you know, replacing their fuel fuel you know fuel relay fuel pump relay, then I'd probably carry one of those in the glove box. And and the good news is too on the Canyon. Here's the deal: almost always on the GM, they have a uh, they have a relay for the fuel pump. They have a relay for the air conditioning. And nice tow hooks. And nice. T- <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to shut his mic off so he doesn't get to do that anymore. Um, and and the idea is is that that when you go through those gyrations, um, it it's just it's different. So um, I, I I just run the tires up and shift the transmission the way you want it to shift. And and if you want, I'll send my grandkids with you. Okay. Well, we we actually took our oldest grandkid with us and and. Uh... He stayed with us for a month. He he turned seven, uh, so that was a that was a blast. We did a lot of fishing uh, on the transmission fluid um, or transmission oil. The temperature gauge showed at the most two thirty to two thirty five, and I can't find anywhere what what's acceptable or not acceptable. I range. can answer that question for you in a heartbeat. The transmission okay. and the coolant temperature should be within twenty degrees of one another. Okay. So if it's two thirty, I'll bet your motor's running up there at two twenty. Yeah. Okay. That's it. And I'll tell you, I have a lot of experience in giving you that because I haul horses and big stuff up and down the mountain, and I have both of those gauges, and I'm always uh-huh. watching those gauges. And I said the same thing to myself. I wonder what the difference is. And in my Dodge <laughs> truck, and I'm hauling a lot load, bigger load than you are. In my Dodge oh, truck, yeah. it's within 20 degrees. So, alrighty, listen, thank you very much, Gary, John, Ben, and Nick. You guys stay there. When we come back, we're going to grab you. Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7. 2020 is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage with the help from the pros at Salem Surround. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundphoenix.com. Surroundphoenix.com. Connecting you with new customers. Tanning, indoors or out, increases your risk of skin cancer, including melanoma, the second most common cancer in young adults and the leading cause of cancer death in women 25 to 30. Tanning doesn't make me look healthier. My ambition does. Tanning doesn't make me stand out. My drive does. 
Tanning can cause wrinkles, age spots, and even melanoma, the cancer that kills one person every hour. And using tanning beds significantly increases your risk of developing melanoma. Tanning doesn't make me glow. My individuality does. Tanning doesn't make me feel better about myself. I got the job. Yeah. My confidence does. Tanning doesn't make you more beautiful. It only makes you more at risk. Stop tanning. Learn more at spotskincancer.org. A message from the American Academy of Dermatology. So, Justin, I was playing that video game Forest Brigade, and it was pretty cool. I was running down this, like, digital path, and I met this digital frog, and he was all like... And I went playing in this virtual stream where this water... It looked almost real. It was this whole electronic forest world. So what did you do? Well, my parents took me to the forest. The real forest. Where I was running down this... Well, it was an actual path. Then I saw this real-life frog. It was all, like, ribbit, and I saw an owl, too. Then I played in this amazing stream with water around my ankles, like wet water. Then me and my sister and my parents sat around a campfire and told cool stories all night long. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool, too. This weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Alrighty, 44 minutes after the hour, and we're going to get to the callers real quick, but Larry Harker's Auto Repair, 38th Avenue and Indian School. Let me tell you about Jeremy. Jeremy is the lead tech there. Let me give you an example. There is no such doctor out there that is capable of growing hair on your head all the way to your bunions and your plantar, how do they pronounce that? Plantar fasciitis. Yeah, all the way to your feet. There's no doctor that can handle the entire human body from top to bottom. Jeremy can handle any car, bumper to bumper, paint, paint and body, alignment. He can do everything. He has passed every single ASE test that they make. So this kid has talents that I don't have and I'll never have. But to give you that example, as far as cars are concerned, he's bumper to bumper no matter what and everything in between. Me, I'm under the hood, the transmission, the suspension, the steering. But there's a lot of things that I, I can't do. But if you're near 38th Avenue and in Indian School and you need somebody really, really good, then Larry Harker's Auto is the place I'd go. John, good morning. How can we help you? Good morning, guys. Uh, excellent show. I always enjoy listening to you and always learn something. Thank you. Uh, I am calling in reference to an earlier call about an alternator and an internal regulator problem. My question is, what is the proper way to jumpstart a vehicle? I was told that if you are the person giving the jumpstart, that you should turn on your air conditioner, specifically a fan motor, because that's where the surge of electricity will go and prevent things like the internal uh, regulator from blowing. Has that ever been a solution? No, that's never been a problem either. Um, the, the proper way to jumpstart is... is to put the cables on the uh, the car that's good and then put the positive cable on the dead car and then the negative cable. Then you bring the RPMs up on the car that's jumping the dead one. You wait for just some short period of time, two or three minutes. You turn the headlights on on the dead car and if they're white and bright, that means you're typically pumping power into that. You see, the regulator's just going to watch the voltage 
when you hook up jumper cables and that car's just dead, there is no voltage exchange, so the regulator's not going to do anything. But when you turn the key on and you start asking for electricity, then the internal regulator's going to say, hey, I just saw a volt drop. I want to see between 13.8 and 14.8, and I just saw it drop down to 10.1 or 12.1. Then the, the regulator's going to go, okay, I'm going to open the gate, and we're going to put more electricity into my alternator. Because it doesn't know that you're hooking on a, on a car. The worst case you can do when you're jump starting is create a spark. And, and if there's gas on top of the battery, it'll blow up. And you have, unless you've been in Vietnam, you have never heard an explosion as bad as a battery blowing up. It'll shake the neighborhood. And the scary part is, is if you're standing there, now you're covered in, in uh, battery acid. And if you're not anywhere near a garden hose, you're in big trouble. But the, uh, the internal, and let me tell you something about internal regulated. We don't have any problems with those. We're not okay. seeing anything with them. We're not, we're not constantly replacing alternators. We're not taking them apart and replacing the regulators. But I will tell you this, too. <clears throat> if you don't have all your grounds in place and the alternator loses sight of the battery, then the, or the regulator loses sight of the battery, then the regulator will go, oh, the voltage is zero, and it'll pump that alternator up. And, yes, it'll take it into 15 and maybe even 16 volts. It'll cook the battery, but it's not likely to cause damage to itself. It's likely to cook the battery. So, no, I don't think we've had an internally regulated alternator in five years or where we've had a regulator inside an alternator that was a problem. We've had dead alternators, but we haven't gone and replaced any part of an alternator for that reason. So, all righty. Got it. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a great weekend. And to you, you too. too, John. Thank you very much. Ben, you're up next. Hello. Hi. Go right ahead. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I I, I just purchased a, a 2004 Nissan Armada the V8 uh, not too long ago. And uh, lately I noticed that it's taking a lot of oil. Uh, it's not smoking at all, and it doesn't leave any puddle in the driveways but uh in about a couple of weeks or a week and a half it uses up like a quart and a, uh, a couple quarts a lot wow. of oil i keep refilling it and it only has 130,000 miles on it yeah so, well see the the oil can only go two places it's leaking and coming out the tailpipe you know yeah. that the diff now the catalytic converter could be consuming some of the oil that's coming out of the tailpipe. That's possible. If that's the case, then I'd pull. I mean, if I if you charge me with working on your car, I'd pull the spark plugs. If I find a spark plug that's all carboned up and it looks completely different than the other seven, then that's the problem. Then I'm going to do a wet dry compression test with that cylinder and the one next to it. So you do a wet-dry compression test, and you go, oh, well, this one comes up good. So they're both at 120 pounds. But that one bad one didn't. It started at 80 or 70. So Uh it could be that the cat is covering up your consumption. Um, If I were you, now let me ask you a question. You know where the full mark and add mark is, yes? No. On 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 the the dipstick. On the dipstick. Yes, yes. Okay. Don't add any oil until it's at the add mark, Okay. Because if you overfill it, if it's halfway between add and full, and you're adding a quart, it's not going to like that other half a quart. Yeah. 
So just put it in. But really and truly, the only way to find it, you're, if you're sure it's not leaking, I'm going to take your word for it. But the only way to find it is find out which cylinder it is. Now, if it's only one cylinder, the catalytic converter will cut, cut, you know, take care of the smoke. But that's what you're going to have to do. And once you pull all eight plugs, I can guarantee you, you'll see the bad one. All righty? All right. Thank you. Okay. You betcha. Nick, you're up next. Yeah. Hi. Uh, is this Mark? Yes, sir. Yeah, hi, Mark. Uh, I'm calling about my sister. She's got a uh, 2007 Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee Laredo, okay. and uh, she's selling it, and I'm making sure everything is in good shape, and I was uh, <clears throat> checking the oil and all that, and uh, I'm looking for the transmission dipstick, and I can't find one, and uh, I've never experienced that before. That's my first question, uh, and I have another question not related Seventeen, so, uh, you said. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a two thousand and seven seven Jeep Wrangler Laredo. Okay, and, uh, and uh, doesn't have a dipstick for the transmission. Okay. And it's an automatic, of course. I, I, we didn't yeah. start putting sealed transmissions in. That seems early. Yeah, I don't. I could be wrong. But if you look in your owner's manual and look at the maintenance schedule, if it says check transmission fluid and there's an asterisk and then at the bottom it says you have to do it from underneath the car, then yes. I don't think a 13-year-old car has a a sealed transmission. No, I don't either. It may be one of those things, too, where they... Uh, we have to use that universal dipstick that we have here. It doesn't actually have a dipstick. It has to be done by someone who who knows how to read a, like a universal, uh-huh. but where you plug it into the side. Right. But I don't. Right off the top of my head, I mean, what part of town do you live in? Uh, I live in East Phoenix, up by Squaw Peak. Okay. Um, give me give me some cross streets, major cross streets. Okay. Sixteenth uh, Street and Glendale Avenue. Okay. 16th. I'd probably go to Martin's Auto. And um, if you go to Martin's Auto, he's at 16th Street, just south of Indian School. 16th okay. Street, south of Indian School. And uh, he's pretty good. He he should be able to answer it. Dave Martin is his name. Right. You can go to 20th Street Auto at 21st in Indian School. And uh, he's really good. I mean, I've got a lot of guys in your particular area um, that Kurt's Auto is I-17 in Bell. You go a little north. But the real question here is, is just take it by some place and say, I can't find the dipstick. Now, we're going to look in our books real quick, and, you know, we'll yeah. figure it out real quick. Now, here's a way you can do it. Get on the Internet and order a dipstick, a transmission dipstick for your car, <laughs> <laughs> and, or a dipstick okay. tube. And so you go in and go, dipstick tube for an 07 Grand Cherokee, then they, if, they, if nobody has a dipstick or a dipstick tube, then it's a sealed transmission. Field transmission. Okay, yeah. and uh, so how, how many miles should I change the uh, transmission oil? Uh, I've heard a couple different stories, like 60,000 miles. Okay, I can answer that. Everybody has an idea, but I always go by the book. Now, you probably have a synthetic transmission in there, and my guess is going to be somewhere between 75 and 100. I'm guessing. Right. Under normal driving conditions. But the best thing you could do for yourself is just look in the owner's manual and see what the heck it says. Your owner's manual could go to 120 for all I know. So I, do, okay. I follow the owner's manual on my truck because I figure Dodge isn't going to lead me astray. And I don't do anything prematurely 
I try to hit, you know, pretty close to what I, uh, I just crossed 103. I think my next major point, like 120, something like that. If you, if it says 120 and you pull the dipstick at 100 and it's black and tar, then it's okay to do it. I mean, but, but yeah, for, for a good uh, rule of thumb, the. The, the owner's manual is the best place. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't. Martin's is Indian School and 16th Street just south. I don't have anybody close to you from a transmission shop or from a, a repair shop that I can send you to. But but Martin's and and uh, um, Blackwell and some of those guys, 25th Street Auto, those guys all could do answer the question. And that's what you want is just to answer the question. All righty. Uh, yeah, and. Uh my second question, not related to transmission, is uh, I'm checking this car out for my sister, and I'm turning the air conditioner on, and there's a clicking noise, kind of a loud clicking noise, tick, 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 like that, underneath the dash. Center of the dash. Yeah. Okay. When I turn on the AC, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the blend door. I want you to think of a, a blend. A blend door has three positions. It's going to send air to the defrost. It's going to send air to the center vents, or it's going to send air to the floor. So when it starts ratcheting like that, the linkage is broken. The door is stuck. It has bubble gum. It has a Taco Bell wrapper in there. I think that one is real, real common because I think that's the same place as some of the Jeeps are, the Jeep Wranglers. I think you can pull that side panel of the center console off and and access the actuator. And and that's true. Yeah. That's true. Some of those are really easy. And we did the one on that Dodge not too long ago where the dashboard from pillar to pillar in the front seats and the console were out of this thing. It just depends. I mean, if you saw your car with nothing between the back seat of the seats and the windshield, you'd be concerned. And that's why we take our guys and we chain them to the car. They can't even go to the bathroom because we can't have them lose (laughs) track of where where they've been. That's the issue. So in your particular case... Say that again. Where, where is that access panel at? Oh, well, it, you probably have four of those actuators on the vehicle. You need to find out which one it is because they're kind of all over the place. You uh-huh. need to isolate which one it is before we do anything further. And and the, the, right, the access panel it, is just one of them. That, that It's not too often we have an easy way into the blend door. And sometimes people will just say, Wire it shut. Wire it open. <clears throat> or if it sticks in one place, then they say, I can live with it. It's it's just out the center vents. But if it goes through the windshield or if it goes to the floor, a lot of people say, no, I need to fix it. So you're just going to have to make those decisions. But And you can call around and get an estimate on it if you want. Um, or if you call around and get an estimate and you're negotiating for the price of this, then that obviously would be something I'd want to, you know, off of the price to fix the blend door. So just get a worst-case scenario. Like I said, it's the motor, the linkage, or the door. One of those three things. It's rarely the signal to it. <coughs> Excuse me just a minute. Thank you. Anyway, 6025. I don't know if we nah, we don't have enough time for a caller, but I will tell you this. My email is mark at marksalem.com. Mark with a K at marksalem.com. Sitting next to me is Alan. I'll pass on the information to him as well. But what this show is all about, it, it is paid programming. But as you can tell, I'm not trying to sell you anything. This is all about you and your car needs. All we're trying to do is give you the very best advice. And years ago, in 1988, when we first started our radio show, the number one question was, where's your shop at? And my mother said to me, <clears throat> 
it's terrible that you're doing that. Don't you have any friends in the industry? And I said, yeah, I do. She says, start referring to them. And that was the beginning of the best car repair shops, according to Mark Salem. So it's not interested on where my shop is at. It's not, that's not important. What's important is to guide you and take care of you the best I can and make it the very best advice I can give you. So that's why I send you other places. Other than the fact that if it's something that <clears throat> we do and not too many do, then I might tell you where we're at. But nevertheless, Mark at MarkSalem.com.